there, Dungeoneers! Welcome to Apply Dungeoneering, the D&D 5e actual play podcast devoted to innovation and creation. I'm Josh, the Dungeon Master, the Master Craftsman who runs the game, and I am joined, as always, by my friends and co-hosts today. Daniel's right over here, forging new connections. Uh, <clears throat> hey, uh, uh, Josh, what's the uh, what, what, what's the Wi-Fi password? trying to try i can't i can't connect i'm sorry i'm I'm trying i'm trying but i can't connect well you, you can't use my wi-fi because i already have enough devices on it but if you go over to the mcdonald's you can use oh theirs. okay Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. i'll be doing it well after that we also have janelle who is laying out her plans to build a newer better podcast intro uh yeah i'm thinking maybe we put yeah, I actually don't know how we would. Um, this group of people is, uh, you're all lovely. We'll just leave it at that. Everybody's lovely. Thanks. Well, thanks for, <laughs> thank, thank you for lying to our faces, Janelle. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, look at this. We have Nate over here as well, and he's uh, constructing additional pylons. Yes, boys, it's time. We're going to open up with the double star gate opening, and we're going to basically, you know, Zerg rush the Zerg down before they even have the chance with the flyers, man. We're going to go hit the back lines, going to take away their mineral supplies, and we're going to hit the gas lines, and after the Zerg, is going to be dead. I'm telling you, boys, dead. I didn't understand any of that, but I'm sure, <laughs> but there's someone at home loving it. Yeah, someone who understood all those references. <laughs> well, we also have Joel here, too, who's uh, preparing to tear down everything Nate's done because we all know it. He can do better. <laughs> well, I don't know. In this situation, Nate's pretty adept at constructing pylons. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've seen him do it, like, many times. I, I trust in his abilities. Okay, well, fair enough. I, I can go with that. But I will tear them down. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of spite. Yeah. Down, foul demon of Zerg. And finally, we have AJ, <laughs> the real architect behind this entire campaign. I, I know we said that we wanted to have the, the obelisk next to the Leviathan pit, Josh, but I just don't think the sheepdogs and the obelisk worshippers are going to get along okay. And then we have the sand pit over in Valhalla. They just don't want to be working with anybody. They say AJ, their AJ, we can't talk about AJ, we can't talk about this on air. Now the audience <laughs> knows what's going to happen. I just It's just not going to work, Josh. I'm the architect, but you, you're just asking too much. Oh, no. Well, I guess we have to go back to the drawing board now because now everyone knows what's going to happen. So, AJ, you're fired. (gasps) (laughs) Well, guys, it's great to be back for another episode of Applied Dungeoneering. Check, Nate. No. You know, this is a perfect this is a perfect uh, example of what I was going to talk about today. Ugh. So, you guys, guess what? I I went to the store earlier this week and I picked up a Lego set. It's been a while since I bought one. It was a really cool one. It came with a shark and a squid, and I I built it and it was a lot of fun. But as I was building it, I realized that I'd put one of the pieces on wrong a few steps back, and it messed up my current step. So, I started thinking Building building Legos following the instructions is a lot like DMing a Dungeons and Dragons game. You know, if you forget something or if you goof something up, like it can have consequences way down the road. And then I realized playing D&D with you guys is like not having the instructions manual to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just a mess from the beginning to the end. 
And then you build a How'd rocket you know I was intentionally ship. trying to ruin the campaign? I mean, we even split it up for you. <laughs> I like Daniel's comment about the rocket ship. It's like, yeah, at that rocket point, ship. might as well just build a rocket ship. Make something else cool out of it. But so that was interesting. It's so hard to prepare for what you guys are going to do. Because it, to the audience, it may sound like I'm a railroader, but got to say, most of the time, you guys are just doing stuff and I'm trying to react. Yeah, we're giving you a reverse railroading. <laughs> Wait, yeah. hold on, you didn't want us to split the party? <laughs> I, are you saying you didn't want us to assault your citizens? <clears throat> Seems unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> They're right there. To, I, all right. With the most punchable face, just... <clears throat> no, all, all, all I'm trying to say is that it's very hard for me to adjust to what you guys do. And I think that's like, I think it's going to be really interesting this episode because it's another episode that's going to kind of just be in your hands. You guys are going to be driving this one forward, not me. Oh, boy. Did anybody take that feat? The driving forward feat? No. No, the land vehicle. There's a land vehicle <laughs> This is love of silence. <laughs> Did you do... That was nope. a bad one. Man, Janelle, how's that newer, better podcast coming along? <laughs> it's not, obviously. Uh... <laughs> Well, Josh, I'm I'm begging you, please, just just give me wet. Oh God! <laughs> no. Okay, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Do you just want to get turned on or something like that? He has to say no, Nate. You can't say that. Uh. Yeah, this episode is for kids. This show is for kids. Is it? No, I don't think. I don't. I mean, it's I'm not. pretty sure we, we have an explicit tag. Preteens at best. <laughs> yeah, I want five year olds to listen to this show. We're great role models. Uh, their parents need to rethink some of their values. That's why we're good role models. I know. <laughs> they know where to send their kids to get proper <laughs> training and etiquette and culture and class. Yeah, mm. right here. We are See, kids, if you go and you make friends at college, then maybe you too can play D&D with them as adults. But first, you have to subscribe to our Patreon in order to figure out how to get to college. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say... Speaking of playing D&D, you guys want to get going and jump into things today? Now you say it. Daniel. Oh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, Josh. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to uh, dive in. Uh, get, uh, Give me wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's been stolen from me. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give a quick recap before we go into things oh today. Oh, my God. Uh, so last episode, there wasn't really a whole lot that happened. You guys spent a lot of time talking to Farmer Trevor and learning more about how he was kept captive by the changeling. And that was pretty much it. But I will say you did learn just how scared people in this world are of magical things and beings that they don't understand. But then after that, you followed your lead that was given to you by Richard and you arrived at Stephen the guard's home. Uh, with his wife and child. And where we left off, he was just about to fill you guys in on what's going on in this town. So we're going to jump into things. But first, we have another flashback. Ooh. A hallway crafted from perfect stone brick comes into view, lit by the soft morning sunlight as it drifts through the large arched windows which stretch almost all of the way from the floor to the ceiling. The rustling of tree leaves and the chirping of birds fills the hallway and the adjacent courtyards with the peaceful calls of nature 
and the smell of fresh rain fills the nose with its musky perfume. A figure comes around the corner ahead, a young woman clothed in the simple white robes of an acolyte belonging to the Sovereign Church. A patterned scapular, woven from blue and silver thread, hangs down her front and her back, held in place with a brilliant red rope around her waist. She has a slight smile on her face as she makes her way briskly out the nearby door and across a small lawn to a nearby garden, droplets of water darkening the hem of her robe as the blades of grass brush up against her. She follows a simple cobblestone path as it weaves through lush, neatly trimmed bushes and flower beds, and around a small pond abuzz with frog calls and chirping insects. Broad maples and reaching orchid trees cast soft shadows as the light brushes past their vibrant leaves and flowers. The ground here is drier, but some of the path is wet from the splashes of little ducklings playing unsupervised in the water. Sitting at a bench underneath the shelter of the red flowering leaves of a hemorrhillin maple is a young man with red skin, short curving horns, and a long thick tail tucked off to the side of the bench. He is dressed in the same silvery blue robes as the woman. In his hands is an old worn book, but he's too busy watching the ducklings to actually read it. At the sound of approaching footsteps, he looks up and gives a warm smile to the woman, and he greets her. Hello, Sister Evelyn. What brings you out of the temple this wonderful morning? The young woman returns his warm smile as she comes to stop in front of him. Good morning to you as well, Brother Aegon. I just fancied a walk now that the night's rain is finished, and uh, felt like taking a stride through the garden. Aegon grins up at her. Oh, how curious. And the fact that I come here every morning had nothing to do with it? Evelyn just grins back and replies. Mind if I take a seat? Not at all. She nods her head and moves to sit next to Aegon as he closes his book and scoots over. And there's a series of splashing sounds as the ducklings move to the other side of the pond in response. The two acolytes look across the pond at them for a second before Evelyn speaks up again. Aegon, I I just wanted to, just wanted to say thank you again for helping me take care of those bullies in town last night. I don't believe they would have actually meant any real harm, but it was nice having you peacefully send them on their way regardless. It's not a problem at all. It's our duty to Tamara and her children to shepherd people back to the path of righteousness. They just needed to be reminded of their own goodness and the love that the goddesses have for them. Malice only begets more malice. That is true, but most people I know would have spread that love with their fists in that situation. <laughs> oh, I, I would have too if the situation had called for it. Aegon pauses for a second and turns his gaze back to the little baby ducks splashing each other. I just think that there's too much hate in the world. Those people just need some guidance in their lives is all. Sometimes a lack of trust or leadership causes people to act out in ways they wouldn't have normally. He reaches into his bag and he pulls out a small bread roll and tears off a few pieces, tossing them to the ducklings. Evelyn smiles again and looks over at him. Aegon, you really are one of the kindest, most caring people I've ever known. Honestly, you almost seem to emanate an aura of goodness and trust and feel people really react strongly to that. A loud quacking sound comes from the far side of the pond as a mother duck waddles through the bushes, and the little ducklings immediately leap out of the water and follow and step behind her as she 
nips at them to lead them back. Evelyn watches them with a small smile as they disappear back into the bush, and then she continues. You really have a gift, Aegon. I doubt it will be long before the Sovereign call you away to fulfill a grand destiny of sorts. Your talents are best suited out there helping others and quelling ill feelings, not inside the temple praying. Aegon glances over at her with another grin. You think so? Perhaps they'll ship me off to Almaria to end the civil war, or to Jureth to convince the folk there to cease their aggression. <laughs> Evelyn nods her head. Well, if anyone could do it, I think it'd be you. I remember when you first arrived here, the Mother Superior wasn't too keen on letting a tiefling into the temple service. But even then, you were able to win her over. It's all just natural to me at this point. Sometimes people just need to be reminded that a person's character matters more than what they look like. There's always more than meets the eye with people. And I think that everyone, even people like the bullies from last night, have the capacity to do good things. He looks over at her again with a small smile. Even if I have to give them a little shove in the right direction sometimes. The two of them both share a short laugh as the scene fades from Aegon's clean, brightly lit, and smiling face in the temple garden to his dirty, but still smiling face, lit by the crackling fire in Steve's home. This is only your second day in town, and yet this man has already invited you into his home to help with a serious problem that the town's having right now. He's really opened up to you guys pretty quickly. So we'll jump right into that scene. <coughs> I had to cough that entire time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. That is hilarious. Just had this phlegm back there the entire time. I was like waiting. I was like, oh, this is so good. I don't want to cough. All right, so you guys are all sitting at Steve's home with him and his wife. You guys have been eating dumplings, if I remember correctly. And we were just getting ready to, well, talk to Steve. So, Vez, quit hogging the dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> I want um, more. Yes, I want more as well. I have eaten all of one dumpling. I don't know what you're talking about. You have definitely eaten several fistfuls, so calm it down. We're, you're holding the bowl, though. Yes, so you will stop grabbing fistfuls of them and other people can eat them. I'm hungry. Steve, uh, Steve gives a very pitying look to Aegon. <laughs> I think Aegon just smiles back at him. So, uh, you got, you guys have enough dumplings now? He, he looks, he looks a little nervous now that you guys are fighting over dumplings already. I'm good. Vez has given up and just put the bowl back on the table. She's not, she's not about this. <laughs> Gunner grabs one more. Uh, yes, I think this shall be my last one, but they were so good I could eat a hundred more. And he, he looks over at Jasper. Uh, Jasper, would you, would you like a dumpling? I am not hungry. Oh, okay. Don't, don't be offended. He doesn't really eat much. I'm on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, he kind of looks at all of you and especially looks at Aegon. And he says, well, you know, I'm taking a big risk by trusting you guys, but I don't know. I just, I just get a feeling that, that I can. Now you don't run into many strangers who are willing to put themselves in danger to solve a problem that's not their own. I don't think I've ever met someone like that, especially something this dangerous with people disappearing and 
exploding. I don't know, you just you seem special. <laughs> yes, well, some of the, some of us may be a bit more special than others, Theo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just questioning well, look. Well, regardless, um, after your second run-in with the exploding people, I figured it was probably about time to well, see if we could have some sort of exchange of information. You can tell me everything you know, and I can tell you everything I do. Jasper did it. What? Jasper! No, no. Um, I mean, we, we're definitely happy to share information, but I don't know how much good information we're going to be able to give you. Oh, okay, well, why don't, you, why don't you fill me in real quick, and then I, I'll tell you what I know. Um, so it basically started with this serving girl at the inn, and she, like, told me that people were going missing and that we should probably leave, and then she kept following us, and then we confronted her m- multiple times, and then we tried to make her our friend via a charm spell, um... And that set her off, and then she got very aggressive, started swinging her knife, stabbed me, stabbed Gunner, and then when she was defeated, instead of, like, falling unconscious or anything, she exploded. And that was pretty traumatic, and that was that was our first day. And then moving on to the second day, still uh, we're still looking for our missing farmer, also just throwing that in there. Let's see, we went, and... Aegon and I got attacked by a cockatrice because everybody else left us alone to either go find information wait, or wait, a... Wait, wait, a, c- a cockatrice? Yeah, up in the um, the trees, up by the fields. Yes, this cockatrice stole a goat, Swear which no. may have been named... Which this goat may have been named Billy or Sparky, depending on which episode you were listening to. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so... Uh, the cockatrice didn't die, but neither did we, so I'd say that's okay. Then we found this suspicious repairman, and he wasn't actually repairing anything, and then we ended up confronting him, and then the farmer, who we thought was on our side, Farmer Trevor, turned out to not actually be Farmer Trevor, and then we fought him and the suspicious repairman, and then one of them, uh, we knocked one unconscious, and then the other one blew up and killed them both. Wait, wait, so who... And he, he pulls out a notepad and a quill and says, okay, who, who, who'd you say it was? You said it was Trevor and the repairman? Yeah, but not really Trevor. We found the real Trevor underneath his house in a hole that connected to his windmill. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so... There is an octopus! Aegon, maybe you should actually take over uh, because this is not making a lot of sense. Yes, well, uh... According to the real farmer Trevor, who who we found underneath his house in in some ruins after you left us, you and Richard left us, uh, the the fake far- farmer Trevor was actually a changeling that had taken his place. Um, can you give me a quick perception check, Joel? I can. You mean budget illusionary wizard? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so salty. I threw my first d20 off of my desk. Okay, so that will be. A, uh, 11. Okay. Yeah, Steve looks very uncomfortable as soon as you mention changelings. Mm, mm. I, I think Gunner grabs a couple forks and he sneaks up behind Jasper 
and then he gets on a chair and stands over him and holds the forks over like they're just dangling and and uh, he says yes and and Zenzev has this nasty jelly octopus that has these terrible sharp tentacles and laser beams like blah and Please big, sit down. Big this is disrespectful. <laughs> well, I was I, I I was trying to um We are make being in a sophisticated seem... conversation. Please. Okay, be respectful. You, okay, uh, oh, yes, Jasper, sorry. Um it, it, it was a it was a jelly puss. That's that's all I'm going to say. Oh, oh okay. Um But it was made out of metal, don't let them confuse you. It was a metal machine esque type of thing. I think Jasper actually got a look at it and also talked to someone else at some point. Jasper, what all What all did you figure out? It's a true, beautiful work of art. Craftsmanship I have never seen before. And may never see again. Hopefully that's not the case. Or maybe hopefully it is. Um, what, you said you talked to some other person while Aegon and I were being attacked by a cockatrice at one point and got some information? Yes. The cobbler? There's a cobbler who clearly his mind has been deteriorated for some reason. Ah, After yes. After all, my shoes are a size, I believe, I think eight in this town, and he gave me a size 12. We're act- I'm actually aware of Caleb. I actually have his name down. I would rate him poorly. <laughs> Service was bad. <laughs> bad Yelp score. So he's scribbling, so, so real quick, who, who'd you say exploded? And he, he's giving you a very... Like serious look. The repairman, not the not the changeling farmer, Trevor. Okay, not okay. And he, he's scribbling some notes. Oh, all right. Every time the word changeling comes up, she's like staring at his face to see how he reacts. <laughs> and why, why Watch you it, me, wizard. Uh, why don't you give me a uh, perception check, Janelle? Then shut your face, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm so perceptive. So. So incredibly perceptive. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, so that was an eight on the die. Um, and let's see. So that'll be 10. <laughs> nice. nice. That's still enough. You can see him getting progressively more uncomfortable. Good. Awesome. It's like, okay. All right. So. Oh, and, and the serving girl. She uh, she exploded as well. Yeah. So I, I've got that down. Actually, all all the guardsmen know about that. Ah, oh, they're budget evocation wizards. That was that was a yeah, that was a whole a whole scene at the uh, inn. So I figured most of you probably knew about that. Yes. Well, actually, we remember um, we sent some of our guardsmen to collect the body as well. I I know that's why it became a scene. Oh, okay. You're talking about that scene, not the near sporn incident. No, that that's a whole. That is a whole nother thing that I still don't fully know all the details about because I was unconscious for most of, but yes. Gunner just smiles. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Oh, um, the, the, the farmer Trevor said that he was keeping the, the, the not Trevor was keeping the Trevor alive so that he could pretend to be him and ask him questions and how he would react to situations. So if there are more, maybe the others are alive? Well, that that is possible, but you said that Trevor did not swell up and explode. No. Okay. He was knocked unconscious and then accidentally murdered when the other one exploded. 
Yeah. Well, okay, that's very interesting. Uh, out of curiosity, did any of you notice uh, anything about Trevor? The real one or the fake one? The real one. Um, he was very gaunt. Uh, looked like he had been basically starved, but just enough to keep him alive to answer questions. He had been bound and gagged and kept in a corner. Um, and we sent him away because we were afraid someone would try to kill him. Okay, well, you guys don't know Trevor. Uh, do you, I'm assuming you didn't notice his slightly pointed ears. I didn't. I did not think to check, although his hair was quite a mess. Yes, Tre- Trevor is actually a half-elf. Oh. Which are rare around these times. Hmm. And he's doing some more scribbling. Does he, does he look at me when he says that? No, he's just... Uh, he just mentions it offhand, and he's making notes. Okay, because that's what okay. she is disguised as. So I was curious. Yeah, he was he, he was asking a question. It looks like he's taking notes of over your response. So then he looks up at you and says, "Okay, well, I actually have some information to share on my end as well. So I just want to say, keep this on the down low. Richard and I are the only ones who are doing anything about this because, well, we're not really happy with the state of things right now." Um, he won't tell us why, but our captain of the guard is forbidding any investigations into these issues. And it almost seems like he is actively trying to keep it quiet. So I'd appreciate it if if you don't uh, mention my involvement. Everybody slowly turns their head to look at Theo and Gunner. <laughs> <laughs> Theo is stuffing his face with the leftover dumplings, and he's the, he looks over at Gunner. I won't tell if you don't. Mm. <laughs> and he says, uh, I would also, I. the only reason I'm doing this is to keep my family safe. And he looks over at his uh, wife, who is uh, put, putting the baby to bed. I just want, don't want anything to happen to them. And the way things are going, it looks like things are going to get out of hand very quickly. So, as I said, don't tell anyone that we're involved. Okay. All right, so here. And he pulls out his... Uh, his document and he says, I have a full list of all the people who have gone missing so far and any information on them. And uh, as he's shuffling around, he's still talking and he says, so at least eight people have disappeared. Um, this started about four months ago and initially just went one person a month and then ramped up to one per week for the last three weeks. Um, and here you go. And he hands you guys a note which I'm going to share with you guys on Rule 20 so you guys can see it as well, and I'm going to read it off. So he looks looks up at you guys and says, all right, so in reverse order, starting with the most recent and ending with the last, uh, we have Rolf the farmer. He is still missing, obviously, and he disappeared the night before you arrived in town. Uh, before him, we had Kendra. That was the serving girl that died when you guys came. Just one day, she just didn't show up to work and was gone for a little bit. And she claimed that she had fallen ill with a fever, which apparently led her into a weird headspace. And she ended up wandering out of the town and waking up in the fields. I didn't really make the connection until you blew her up. Before her, we had Bartol, a homeless man. He went missing from his usual begging spot. And then one day he died during a fireball incident uh, a few days before you arrived. Uh, We were forbidden from following up on it, although there is some suspicion, or at the time was some suspicion, that Lady Hecate's apprentice was involved, as he is a pyromancer. Um, Then we have Caleb the Cobbler, who you've already met. 
I'm not exactly sure when he went missing, but he claims to have fallen ill from drinking water from one of the wells outside of town, but he has not been very clear on which well it was, just that it was outside of the town. And whatever happened seems to have stripped him of some of his mental faculties. And then we have Jonathan, the windmill repairman that you talked about, didn't show up for work for a while and then just suddenly appeared again. And we never heard Trevor complain about it, but Trevor started acting a little differently about the same time he disappeared. So now now I can tell that those were connected. Then let's see. We have Patricia. She was a serving girl for Lady Hecate's apprentice. Seemingly got lost when she was walking outside of town one night. A lot of local talk says that she suffers from awful night terrors now. And her connection to the pyromancer is why he is suspicious in the case of Bartle, the homeless man. And then we have Eric. He's a huntsman. Disappeared for a while and then hanged himself shortly after he came back talking about hearing strange voices in his head. And oddly, there were no funerals for him. They took his body straight to the morgue and haven't heard anything or seen anything since. And then our first disappearance was a girl named Ashlyn, also a serving girl at the Marble Throne, and just didn't show up one day. And then was gone for a while and is, even as of right now, is too ill to work, so she's living with her family. And he puts down his list and looks up at you guys. So as you can see, this is kind of strange. People disappearing at random. No connections that I can see. No rhyme or reason. Just weirdness. So, I don't know. I was kind of hoping maybe since you've been poking around, maybe you've, I don't know, come to some conclusions on your own or at least have a lead in the right direction. Just my own thoughts absolutely no true evidence to back this up but there might be something going on down underground because that's where we found the farmer that's where the mechanical jelly fish octopus thing attacked us that's where it seems like the there they were hiding out at least what the dwarven ruins that make up a lot of the underground that a lot of your houses and town is built upon. Oh, I wasn't aware of any ruins. Yep. Thank, thank you, Jasper. Jasper knows these things. I don't know how, but he does. Wait, so you're saying there are ruins under the town? Yes. Huh. Well, if only we had standardized education to tell us this stuff, but <laughs> alas, we don't. Uh, yeah, if you wanted to go, I would suggest not going alone, but if you wanted to go take a pixie, there are ruins that have, if you go back into... um. The house that you found us in, where they were arm wrestling and all that craziness. There's like a big old hole in the floor that you can just peek into and see them. Yeah, but Aegon, what was that arm wrestling thing? Hmm? Ah, it was finely crafted theater. Yes, we wanted to throw any enemies that may have barged in on us off guard, so we prepared a specific distraction, if you will, where Gunner and I would be arm wrestling to confuse them and the rest of our party would ambush them. Precisely. Give me a deception check. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of us, both of us? Aegon. Uh, that is 21. Oh, okay, damn. yeah. He, he's like, wow, that's actually ingenious. But, huh. but I thought Vez said it was Richard's... Shh, shh. 
he looks like he he has he's giving you guys an eye of respect. He's like, wow, these are these guys are the real deal. <laughs> I'm I'm confused. Yes, you're you're always confused, Theo. That's true. <laughs> well, I may not be the brainiac in the group, and uh, Gunnar looks over at Jasper, but. It seems that we have a few interesting characters we need to look into. The Apprentice comes up twice in your list, uh, and of course we have the God Captain as well, but for locations it seems like we need to go to the Morgue and maybe take a closer look at the Marble Throne, as there are two people associated with that as well. Three if you count former Rolf who frequented the place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Three. And of course, we. I have this itching feeling that we didn't see something we were supposed to see out in the grove. And he's like, well, I, actually, now that you say it, Lady Hecate's apprentice does frequent the tavern as well. Hmm. Do most people in this town frequent the tavern at some point or another? Not, not everyone. Like, it's not uncommon for people to occasionally stop by, but most people end up either buying or walking off with their own stashes. Not everyone wants to spend time at the tavern. You know, some people, most people have their own supplies, but a lot of people we're talking about here are frequent guests. Do you know... Oh, sorry, that, that sounded more British. <clears throat> do you know Van... Wait, Govna, do you know? <laughs> Hello, Govna. Perchance might you answer one of me questions? What's all this then? Oh, what's all this then? I got a license um, for that, mate. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, d- what was my question? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Shh. Okay, stop, stop, stop. I remembered. Um, do you know Ven, uh, this uh, Lady Hecate's apprentice? Does he have a regular schedule for when he shows up to the Marble Throne? I'm usually about midday. Hmm. You know, he's a he's a magician, so a lot of his duties are just kind of sporadic. <laughs> duties, Marble Throne. Poop is poop. I just made the connection. Marble Throne is not supposed to be toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. I no, it was it's supposed to, to be, be a. Oh, it's supposed to be a cool. <laughs> a literal like, throne. Marble Throne. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I was thinking uh, toilet. This whole time, I was AJ thinking thought toilet. it was a toilet. Joke. I, I, was, I, I thought was it was that. too. Oh my, oh my god. god! I assumed it was from World of Warcraft. It was something similar to Arthas oh, would just boy. sit on. Oh my god! Well, I, I I've been holding now... back because no one else made poop jokes, and I was like, oh, here's my chance. No, it's it's a sculpture. I specifically said it was a cool sculpture. Never mind. Well, I know what you said, but it was marble throne. It's, yeah, it was it was a really cool sculpture, full of porcelain. In fact, you could say. Can, can I ask on, something? Guys. I'm upset now. <laughs> Sorry. This has got on too long. Can I ask something in relation to the Marble Throne, Josh? Yes. So was the we saw the actual Marble Throne at the tavern, right? Yes. Was it similar in style to what we saw in the Dwarven ruins, like the walls and such? It, it is of Dwarven Dwarven craft, yes. But was it was it like similar marble type, or I don't know? Well, I probably wouldn't be able to distinguish that. I guess. You you definitely tell it was of dwarven design. Dwarves are known for working marble, so it, it's not necessarily weird. But you could definitely investigate it if you mm-hmm. wanted to. Okay. So, uh, well, I know you said you think maybe it's something underground, but do you have any other ideas? Well, I I have the craziest idea. 
that none of you will believe. I've been thinking about this for a while. Are you, are you ready to hear it? Steven looks a little apprehensive. I'll tell you. What if we get someone on the inside? Or at least someone who understands. Imagine this. We get a changeling on our own side. Oh my god. And we have the changeling travel with us, disguised as someone else. Uh, I don't... And that- and Steve, Steve, Steve cuts you off says, I don't understand what changelings have to do with any of this. It's just, just a just, shot. Okay, I'm just, just saying, just because just you had one bad experience doesn't mean all, all of them are in on it. No, that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we, we need someone who understands changelings. Well, no, I, 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 I'm just, there you go again. I'm just saying. <laughs> you really seem to be thinking that there are a bunch of changelings going around doing stuff just because you encountered one. That's a little... I, I don't really like that too much. We have 100% oh, accuracy in this assumption, though. This isn't an inclusive community. You know, there's enough hate in this world. I don't, I don't like spreading it like that. Well, you shouldn't talk to Farmer Trevor then. <laughs> <laughs> well, people are, people don't like magic, so just keep that in mind. People don't like magic around here. Is there a particular reason why, or is it just the general? They just don't understand it, so they're scared of it. Every he says, everyone's scared of magic. Is it the people blowing up in the middle of town or disappearing magic that's scaring the people? It's a little bit of everything. People are afraid of things they don't understand. Okay, so it's more based out of just ignorance than it is an actual yeah. solid reason. I mean, pe- pe- humans are were afraid of dwarves for the longest time just because we didn't understand them. Now we live together. That's fair. Mage hand. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see that you are a, a bit afraid of magic. Gonna stop doing dumb things. Put that away. But I haven't used that yet this entire adventure. Could you pass the sauce? Gonna use this as mage hand. Yes, I will. Ooh. Thank you. Vess rolls her eyes. Please don't disrespect magic like this. It is a tool to be used for intellect, not for mundane things like this. Alright, well here, how about we how about we don't use any magic, because don't never mind. He looks a little defeated. Anyway, poor Steven. <laughs> so yes, I was hoping that maybe you could, we could continue to work together. Like I said, I need to keep myself as uninvolved as possible. But if you ever need help or things get a little overwhelming, you're you're always welcome to come visit here. Just not during my shifts. Come when I'm done with my shift. When are you normally done with your shift? Uh, about dinner time, like six o'clock. Do you know anyone who might be able to get us into like? the morgue or something like that. Uh, I, the only way I can think of is sneaking in unless you unless you know someone who's really good at weaseling their way into places they shouldn't. Hmm. I have some ideas. Um, when does the when does the undertaker turn in for the night? Um, I actually don't know. I think he sleeps during the day, actually. Does he sleep there? Does he have, like, an apartment above his shop? Oh, no, he, he has his own home. Okay. I mean, he's kind of a weirdo, but I don't think he's that kind of weirdo. There are a lot of businesses in some of the cities where they have it in their bottom room and then they just live above it. So I w- there just isn't as much space there. So that probably is why. But anyways, that's beyond the point. So he lives separately and he might sleep during the day. So that could be interesting too. 
boys anything else? I would just think that perhaps since we're already staying close, uh, we could check out the marble throne and see if there are any entrances to the ruins below there. Oh, that'd be a good idea, yeah. Yes, we could uh, we could start there and then we could make our way over to the morgue at some point. And then maybe uh, maybe tomorrow, I'm, I'm not sure, but at some point we could uh, try and go back out to uh, the grove and see what we may have missed. I would definitely prefer to do that in the daylight. Agreed. Thank you for the dumplings. I really like them and you cook them very well. It reminds me of home. Steve's wife looks over and smiles at you and nods her head and thanks. Well, what are we uh, waiting for? Why don't we go and hit the scene? All right, well, yeah, you go take care of that. Oh, also, uh, Aegon. Yes, what is it? Uh, you, you got a second? Of course I do. And he, he uh, comes over and sits down next to you and he says, uh, by the way, uh, Richard uh, would still like to give his confession to you if your schedule allows it. Of, of course, we got caught up in a lot of stuff, so I was uh, I was worried that I wouldn't get the chance to speak with him. Like, and he, he leans in and he says, yeah, he, he's been having a lot of trouble lately, and I'd, I'd really appreciate it if you could help him clear his conscience. You know, he he really likes you, Aegon. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, would you mind reminding me where he, he lives? Uh, he, he said he'd be at the temple tonight. Oh, right, right, I... I'm sorry. Yeah, if you just uh, if you go around the temple, there's a small garden in the back. He said he doesn't want to be seen in the temple because, well, he's afraid of being judged. I will certainly go see him. All right, well, thank you, Aegon. I appreciate that. You're a good man. Thank you. Uh, Josh, what, what time of day is it right now? It, it's like 7 o'clock now, 7.30-ish. So it's, it's getting kind of late. Sun's sky's starting to turn a little orange. Maybe it's starting to turn dark blue at the the far side as the night begins to creep in. Probably another hour, hour and a half it's going to start getting dark. So I think we're probably going to head out then. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, also, uh, just uh, two more pieces of information uh, before you go. I wanted to mention something that may be of use to you. Uh, the only people who have disappeared have been human. Despite there being an almost 50-50 split between a dwarves and humans here. It's been only only humans disappearing. Full-blooded humans. And uh, second, if you could find Farmer Rolf before he inevitably shows up again, that would be a bonus. We're not really... He could have just disappeared and he could be dead. Or it could be more sinister. And if you can find him, maybe you'll start... Maybe you'll be able to get a better idea of what's going on. Wasn't one of them a half-elf? Uh, the guy who was the half-elf was taken by the changeling, not turned into a robot thing. Well, they didn't know he disappeared because the changeling took his place. Good thought, though. So mm-hmm. just just in case that helps you. Do you know on average roughly how long people were gone before they showed up again? About three days. Oh, boy. Well, we've got a work cut out for us. You guys have, basically, you guys have tomorrow. GG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, man. so I think... I think we were gonna head out from his house. Joel, were you got were you gonna go towards the temple then? I don't know if the temple is on our way or another way. Yeah, Aegon's gonna be going to the temple to wait for Richard. Cool, we'll split the party there, and then Gunner <laughs> and I will go to the fields. 
No, we <laughs> no. no, we're not doing that you again. You hear the shrieking of a cockatrice echoing through the night. Mm, sounds safe. Uh, are there like shops and stuff near the temple, Josh? None that would be open. They'd be closing down. Anything like a park or anything that we could like hang out by the temple but not be at the temple? I mean, yeah, you could probably just hang out in the town square. So to the temple then? Well, we won't go to the temple, but we'll be near if you need us, Aegon. Of course, I'll make sure to yell for you if I do. I can yell really loud. Do you want me to come in with you? No, I, I think Richard would like some privacy. Oh, okay. All right. So you guys gonna pack up and head out then? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And All right. Steve's wife uh, brings over some dumplings for the for the road. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jasper, you really should eat some of these dumplings. They are very good. Maybe Why? he can eat some while we're um, headed towards the temple. Let's go. Food brings no pleasure. Why? <laughs> and we're off. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Steve waves goodbye. He's like, all right, you guys take care. Bye. So, uh, Janelle, can you give me a perception check as you leave? Oh, no. Why me? <laughs> Steve stabs you. <laughs> Shit. Oh, my Look God. In, in the back. Just like always. <laughs> okay. That is going to be not much better than my first one. That'll be a 12. Okay. The only reason I had you roll is because this would be something you'd notice. Um, as you're leaving, uh, you see the uh, their baby, their little kid, and you could have sworn he had brown hair when you came, but now it is a very vibrant red. Ooh. As the door closes behind you. He got very defensive over the changeling stuff. Changelings. I might have a friend! Yay! <laughs> I'll have to make a note of that and talk to him Don't somehow want... by myself because I'm definitely not going to confront him with the group. Alright, to the town square. hope you enjoyed this episode if you did share it and our other episodes with your friends family and co-workers your boss if you're daring visit our website to find your copy of a DD quick starter guide and feel free to join our growing community on the various social media platforms in the description there we discuss episodes dungeons and dragons and stem topics that we all love thanks again for listening we can't wait to see you here at applied dungeoneering the songs temple garden and Waterkeep are from Tabletop Audio at tabletopaudio.com. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0. Creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by dash nc dash nd slash 4.0.